grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God which engages us is just two verses of our gospel lesson from Mark chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, where we read, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, Hosanna, translated, save us. That's what many in the crowd were shouting on that first Palm Sunday in Jerusalem, Hosanna. But save us from what? Save us from whom? Many of God's people back in Jesus' time were expecting that he was going to send a Messiah, but a Messiah who would set up a grand and glorious earthly kingdom for them, one who would return them to the glory days they knew under King David and King Solomon. And did you catch in our gospel lesson what those people were saying in addition to Hosanna? Blessed be the coming kingdom of our father David. Ah, the glory days of David would return. God's people would be prominent and powerful once again. By all means, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest, they thought. And perhaps some of them also began to think about what it would be like to live under such a Messiah, under such an earthly king. First of all, he would be a king that could feed all the people and even have food left over. Just as he fed 5,000 men and who knows how many women and children with just five loaves of bread and two fish, and they had 12 baskets full of food left over. Or he could be a king who would heal many of the people of their illnesses and diseases, just as he had done throughout the previous three years of his earthly ministry. Or he could be a king who could even bring the people back from the dead, as he had done on at least three occasions that we know of in the Scriptures. And the anticipation was even higher now because the Passover was at hand. It was during the first Passover, back in Exodus chapter 12, that God intervened mightily, even parting the Red Sea, in order to save his people from their slavery in Egypt. Well, now it wasn't the Egyptians, of course, but it was the Romans who were ruling over God's people, and God's people detested that Roman rule, and they despised paying taxes to Caesar. Now it wouldn't be Moses, now it would be this Jesus of Nazareth, they thought, whom God would send to deliver his people. And the word on the street was that Jesus was coming to this Passover festival. And so the people ran out to meet him, and they viewed him coming, approaching them, riding on the back of a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah in our Old Testament lesson for today, for exactly the way God's people would see their king coming to them. 
And so, as Mark records, in addition to shouting out, Hosanna, save us, some of the people took off their outer garments, their coats, and laid them on the road in front of Jesus, symbolizing not only a welcome to Jerusalem, but their willingness to be ruled by him. And the other gospel writers tell us that they also cut down palm branches from nearby trees and waved them as Jesus went by. The palm branch had become a national symbol of triumph and victory. Now things were at hand, they must have thought. Now Jesus will come and set up that earthly kingdom that we've longed for. Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest. But by the end of this very week, those palm branch waving, Hosanna shouting people would likely be greatly disappointed. For Jesus would be arrested, tried, convicted, and crucified. Executed in one of the most gruesome and humiliating ways known to mankind. And from their perspective, nothing would have changed. The Romans would still be in charge, and many of them would probably leave Jerusalem thinking that their expectations for Jesus must just have been too great, and that Jesus was a failure. Well, just like many of those people there in Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, we can be tempted also to think of Jesus as an earthly king. One whom God has sent to save us from whatever is oppressing us here in this world. For example, from health concerns. After a diagnosis has been received, either our own diagnosis or that of a loved one. Or from financial concerns. After the debt continues to rise and we can't see a way past it. Or from social concerns after relationships fail and we begin to feel very alone and isolated, or perhaps from career concerns as others around us are advancing and we begin to get concerned about our own future. Just like the people there in Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, we too can tend to concentrate on the here and now, to say Hosanna to our Lord with an eye toward what is oppressing us here. Save us, Lord, from all of these things. Now, to be sure, Jesus isn't unconcerned about our here and now. He isn't unconcerned about our daily struggles in this world and what is oppressing us here. We pray for these very things from this altar, service after service, as we just did. And we pray for those very same things in our daily prayers as well. But I would ask you, stop and consider your daily prayers. How many of them are focused just on the here and now? On what is oppressing us here and now? How many of them are directed toward eternal things? You know, when you stop and think about it, the people there in Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday were correct in shouting, Hosanna, save us. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. 
but not in the way they thought of it. He hadn't come to free them from the Romans and to set up every earthly desire they could possibly imagine. Rather, he had come to do something much greater, to take on our eternal enemies of sin, death, and Satan. And by his life, death, and resurrection once again, to single-handedly defeat all three. And by the grace of God, his undeserved, unmerited favor toward us, his victory over sin, death, and the grave is our victory over sin, death, and the grave as well. And so this week, this holy week, my prayer for all of us is that God would lift our eyes from the here and now, from those things that are oppressing us here and now in our personal lives, and allow us to see with great focus and clarity what he is doing for us and for all people through his son, Jesus Christ. On Thursday, he will give to you a foretaste of the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which will have no end, as he institutes the Lord's Supper for you. You will see him there in the Garden of Gethsemane, betrayed by one of his own twelve disciples, betrayed with a kiss of all things, and you will see him arrested and taken away as a common criminal. And then on Friday, you will see him take what probably looked to many people like just another crucifixion out there on that hill called Golgotha and transform it to the place where the Son of God will bow his head and die for you the place where he will crush the head of Satan for you, just as God promised our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. And on Sunday, you will see a stone rolled away, and God will give you a glimpse into your eternal future, a future that is not with the dead, but with the living. This week, God is changing eternity for all of us. So as we travel with our Savior from the back of a donkey to the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane to the hill called Golgotha and to the empty tomb, we pray, Hosanna, save us now, and he will. Amen.